You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Traeger Meat Friday. I went out there, checked on the teriyaki chicken, got the street corn, got a fire going. Yep, just another Friday here with my good friends, Paulie, Alan, Marvin, Rob, Big German, Tyler the Moderator, and Dylan. We got the uh, local fire department coming by. Going to treat them to some chicken. Since some of the Danettes aren't here, I wanted to uh, bring in some uh, some new friends. So we'll bring in the fire department. We're, we're situated right next to a fire department. And every time we cook on Friday, you can see the firemen usually come out. And then they're like leaning over waiting to get that invitation there. But, you know, rations, you know, we got portions that we have to ration here. We got other people in the back that need to eat. And we have a, a standing policy. On-air talent gets to eat from 12 to 12.15. <laughs> and then 12.15.01, I got the other guys who are ready. They come in from the bullpen, and uh, there's a lot of teriyaki chicken to go around today. 12.15. 12.15.01. Remember when the French kid didn't realize the 12.15 rule? Mm, that was conveniently he didn't realize it. And I go out, and I... And all of a sudden, I see him stuffing his face, and I go, hey, Brendan, what are you doing? He goes, what? Like his mouth's full. What? I said, no, 1215. And Paulie's motioning air quotes. He had air quotes. He goes, I I didn't know about 1215. So final hour here on this Traeger Meet Friday. And uh, coming up, we'll talk to Chris Sims on loan from Pro Football Talk. A couple things to talk to him about. James Harrison comments that uh, Mike Tomlin apparently paid his fine for a hit that he had against the Cleveland Browns for $75,000. The Steelers have uh, denied that. And we'll talk about this Russell Wilson rumor. Would you rather that it it was proven that it wasn't true or would you rather just state out there as a rumor? Because it feels like people in my industry, when, when we have something like this, we can go, hey, I can run with that for a while. Hey, who needs two sources? I don't even need one source on this. So we'll talk to Chris Sims about this rumor and how this rumor started. Blake Snell started off our show today where we played some of his comments. He was on Instagram Live, and he's the Rays pitcher. He's a really good pitcher. Uh, Cy Young winner. And he was talking about, hey, they they're cut, our, cut our salaries in half. Now they want us to come back. It's not worth the risk of what I'm going to make. And this is a portion of what Blake Snell had to say about baseball coming back. If I'm going to play, I should be getting the money I signed to be getting paid. I should not be getting half of what I'm getting paid because the season's cut in half. On top of a 33% cut of the half that's already there, on top of that, it's getting taxed. So imagine how much I'm actually making to play. You know what I'm saying? All right. I mean, that's, those are his comments. He's going to stand by that. He's the first so-called name to come out and attach himself to this. Bryce Harper and Nolan Arenado did come out and say that they support Blake Snell. I don't know if they agree with him as much as they support him. There's a difference in that. We talked to Clayton Kershaw, the Dodgers pitcher in the first hour. He had this to say about Blake Snell's comments. It was probably a little bold in what he said, but you know, I think what where he's coming from, we've already made a pay concession. You know, We're going to get paid prorated based on the season, so uh, we play 81 games where we get half our pay. We agreed to that already. And I know guys kind of felt like that was what we decided, you know, as a union. And um, 
obviously with no fans changes things, I guess, for some owners, but we're still playing the same game. You know, we're still playing baseball. We still agree to our salaries based on that. So um, all I can say about everything is if it deems medically that we're able to play and we can't figure out the business side of it between the two sides, it's not going to look good on anybody. Mm. So if we do figure out medically, I'm pretty optimistic that we can play. You know, you've got you got guys who are making the minimum of five hundred thousand, then you've got players who are making thirty five, forty million dollars here. And you're gonna have the haves and the have nots here. And then you're gonna say, Are you willing to come back? Would you come back for that? Hey, would you come back for one hundred thousand dollars? We look at this and we I'm talking about the audience, the fans, and say, How much is enough for you to come back? Well, if Blake Snell says, I don't want to come back because I don't want to risk my health then I'm, I stand with him. But if this, this sounds like it's more, it's about money. It's not about, hey, I'm worried about my health here. I'm worried about my health if I'm coming back for that amount of money. But if you pay me my full salary, suddenly I'm not as worried about my health. That's the problem of how people are going to read into this. He has every right to say, I don't want to play, I don't feel safe. But if your players union, if Major League Baseball, if the medical community deems this safe, and I should put that in air quotes, safe. Now what happens if Blake Snell and some other players decide they won't, don't want to come back? You're not going to get paid. So now what happens? Can you sit out? Will baseball let you sit out? Man, I, I just think that there's a lot more to this in trying to get these players back. I'm just disappointed it's played out in the media because – it never looks good when millionaires and billionaires are arguing about money. Never. And especially today with what's going on, with the fans looking at this going, we need you to come back. And, and you're saying, hey, I don't want to come back for you know, 1, $1.5 million, but I'll come back for $3 million. Here is the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, on how to make this safe to play for players. We are making plans about playing in empty stadiums. Um, But as I've said before, um, all of those plans are dependent on what the public health situation is and uh, us reaching the conclusion that it'll be safe for our players and other employees to come back to work. All right. I don't know what the plan is, and hopefully they keep it private until they feel like they're ready to roll this out. Um, The commissioner of the NBA and Major League Baseball commissioner have been kind of quiet and probably sequestered where they're trying to come up with different uh, contingency plans, and I'm all for that. I don't need to hear from you until I feel like you have a definitive plan in place and everybody's going to be safe. Instead of saying, hey, May, May 1st, we're coming back. May 8th, we're coming back, which is what the NBA did. And at the time I said... Stop giving us arbitrary dates. When you come back, you're back. You don't need to tell us anything other than tell your players, let everybody know this is when it's going to be safe. This is when we have adequate testing. That's all I need with this. And we should be satisfied with this. Instead of somebody saying, hey, we're playing football in the fall. Okay, I hope you are. But you don't know that. And it sounds disingenuous to say, we're playing football. Students are going to be on campus. I hope so. We just don't know that that's true or not. All right, let's get some phone calls in here. Steve in Pennsylvania. Hi, Steve. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Say what's up to all the all the Danettes. Hope you guys are all doing well. Um, 
been uh, obviously in quarantine. I watched the 98 World Series the other day. Just wanted to ask you, past 20 years, who you think uh, the best MLB team was. And uh, I don't know if you know mm-hmm. who Braun Strowman is, WWE superstar. There's a uh, clip of him raking softballs off a tee. And uh, I just want to know if you saw that or not. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> I did. Thank you, Steve. I did not. I'm not that desperate yet that I'm watching wrestlers rake uh, softballs off a tee. But, hey, it's early on this Friday, so who knows what the weekend's going to be like. It may get crazy around my house. It may not. It may be really quiet. Uh, the best baseball team in the last 20. I'd have to give that thought. I'd, I'd have to be on that topic to give it some thought there. Uh, let me see. What else do we have? Barry in uh, South Dakota. Hi, Barry. What do you have? I'm on my way. Hello, Dan. How are you? Hi. Good to talk to you, Barry. And it's it's Perry. Uh, no B, it's a P. Oh, okay. That's fine. I, I, I'm older than you, so I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday and give you a little unsolicited advice. As I got older, I started thinking of it as uh, chronologically gifted. Whereas the young ones are chronologically challenged. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- thank you, Perry, for that. I'm chronologically challenged, apparently. But uh, thank Funny you. Funny line the there story. from Terry. Yeah. Is it Perry or Terry? <laughs> or Barry? Forget it, it is, is it Larry? Forget it is rolling. Larry. Hey, Terry. <laughs> By the way, you got about a half hour to vote on Chat Row t shirt. <laughs> and uh, I'm making the t shirt. If you go to the website, the one that has our house dog Penny on it, the big German's dog Penny, I'm going to make that T-shirt. Whether that's the one you choose, I'm making that T-shirt. But you guys vote on Chat Row. Uh, this is our locker room where you know they, they provide the heartbeat of the show and Tyler, the moderator. I had this idea, and I mentioned this to Seton. Tyler, the moderator, his job, in, in, you know he moderates the uh, Chat Row with some of the comments that are made. And I thought maybe we have sort of an emoji, something that, it, like Tyler is Dikembe Mutombo when he wants to, you know, take away some comments, and then he's like, not in my house. When he's swatting. Yeah, uh... yeah when he's swatting somebody. <laughs> he walks around with his laptop, and so he's got his mask on and his, his laptop, and Tyler, the moderator, is taking care of chat row, but I thought when he comes in, he swoops in and says, not in my house. And every once in a while, you just hear him go, gone, gone. Like he's just deleting people. Uh, let me see. Javier in, in uh, Arizona. Javier? Hey, Dan. Hey there. Hey, first time, long time, 62205. Hey, just want to wish you a happy birthday. Hello, May birthday. My birthday's coming up in two weeks as well. But uh, I want to talk about you said uh, Jordan pushing off on Biden Russell. Yeah. I think it was more of a crossover. <laughs> <laughs> well,. I, I, you, it, it was a crossover. I'm being objective. That's all. And what I saw, you see Michael's hands, and he pushes Russell to the side. Do you call it in that moment? I know we love to say, hey, if you're going to call it then, then you have to call it. You know, Whatever you call in the first quarter, you got to call in the fourth quarter. It doesn't work out that way, folks. <laughs> as, much as, as much as we want it to be that way, you got to call it the same at both ends. Both times, you know, first half, second half. It doesn't happen that way. Jordan push off? Yes. Do you want to call it in that moment? Even in Salt Lake City, you didn't call it. In Chicago, it's not getting called. In Salt Lake, that's different. That would have been fun. Uh, Edwin in South Carolina. Hi, Edwin. Hey, Dan. Edwin, six feet, 185. 
just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. It's uh, my birthday as well today, my Kobe year. Awesome. Awesome. Happy birthday, Edwin. Thank you. I heard uh, one of the Danettes took uh, Teddy Bridgewater as their dark horse for MVP. Just wanted to get your opinion on that. I'm a big Panthers fan. <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen, Edwin. He's not going to be the MVP. Uh, but we like Teddy. I just don't like Carolina's chances to be good this year. Yeah, McLovin. Joe Brady, you see what he did at LSU. If he can do that in the pros, come on. Um, L- I don't know who. LSU yeah. might have been as good as Carolina. Yeah, the receivers are way better at LSU. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> you will get a plaque. I, I might even build a statue. You know what? I'm gonna, I would erect a statue. <laughs> if Teddy Bridgewater's MVP, McLovin, I will have a statue of you here in the man cave. I totally stole Teddy Bridgewater from you because you were always bullish on Teddy Bridgewater. Well, I love like Teddy. Even, like, but, like but three not, years ago, you're like, he could be a good starter, and you were right. But not MVP. But like, it's always a quarterback out of nowhere. Oh, that would be out of nowhere. It, it, well, he's got, he got a $65 million contract. I know, but they're, you, you have to look at this and, and look at it like it's a word problem. What, what division? What are the expectations? How many wins could we conceivably have? He's not even going to get the credit. It'll be Christian McCaffrey. So you're on a team where the running back is the face of the franchise. And that's why I think it would be, if Teddy Bridgewater's the MVP, it'd be great. The fact that Christian McCaffrey has the same odds as Jameis Winston to me is mind-boggling. Jameis Winston is third string, or maybe second string with the Saints, and Christian McCaffrey is coming off one of the great seasons a running back has ever had. Yeah, McLeod. If, if Jameis wins, can we build a statue of Jameis on the basketball court? Like, that would be the biggest shock ever, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If, if something happened to Drew Brees, but see, Sean Payton keeps telling us Taysom Hill is his quarterback in waiting. He keeps telling us that. And he can keep telling me that. I don't know if he's his quarterback in waiting. He's, he's a tremendous talent. But I don't know if Taysom Hill is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I don't. I haven't seen enough where I go, yep. I saw a lot in college, and I didn't see enough in college where I went, he can be a starter in the NFL. Athletically, he can start in the NFL. But I don't know if he can start a quarterback there. Uh, Let me see. What else do we have here? George in Ohio. Hey, George. Hey, good morning. Good morning. From the old hometown, Dan. Well... I hope it's good. I haven't been back there in a while. How, do they uh, have my have statue do. done yet there? In the... uh, I'm just going to comment on that. Uh, <laughs> we're working on I went to high school with the mayor, so uh, okay. but he went to high school with Mark D'Antonio, so mm. Mm. He, he, D'Antonio might have a slight edge. Oh, who's had a better career, me or Mark D'Antonio? Well, I, I was proud of what Mark did, but I'm just hoping he would do a little better. You've done pretty well. You have a, an Emmy, you know. That's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you, George. I appreciate that. Calling from my hey, little hometown. Uh, I yes. wanted to comment on oh. one of the earlier polls. Okay. Uh, the, uh, I think it was, uh, would you uh, go to work or have, leave your family? Yeah. To go to a job. You know, I'm, uh, oh, happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you, George. I'm uh, 65 and a half, so I'm going to be retiring here probably in the next year. But, and I'm, I have an essential job, so I got to go. But if I had the luxury of the athletes, baseball, basketball, football, where I could stay home, I think that's what I would do. Because it seems like today 
It's not just a, a game is like a game of life and death, really. That's the kind of a game it is now. So. Well, they're not forcing them back until everybody signs off on this. Thank you, George. Thank you, and, and good luck getting my statue there in my hometown. Nobody's forcing you to go back yet. Like they're not. They they can't force you to go back until everybody signs off on this. And hopefully, everybody can come to the same conclusion that these players are not in danger, or those odds are greatly, greatly reduced. And as long as they continue to, you know, do the right things, follow protocol, then great. Then we can have, you know, sports come back. David in Houston joining us. Hi, David. DP, hey, huge fan here. Uh, loving the Jordan uh, last dance. And I was doing a deep dive on YouTube uh, the other day and ran across a, a video of you interviewing Jordan after game one of uh, the 97 finals after you hit the game winner. And I, I, I recommend you go back and look at it. It's hilarious. Uh, you were smitten with Jordan. You guys had a had a connection there, a little bit of flirting going on. Yeah, I, I, I challenged him, and he allowed me to challenge him. And I always respected that, that he came in, and, and I knew that he was, he was open to talking. And I could, I could push him a little bit and have some fun, with respect. But, yeah, I always enjoyed those, those interviews. Because I was trying to show a side of Jordan that you hadn't seen. And I think, in large part, we were able to do it. You know, gave him the platform to have a little bit of fun, uh, to have some comments there. Because you go to a press conference, it's very sterile when you go to that press conference. You go in right after the game, and you got everybody there. And if you want to get something from somebody, you're usually asking a one-on-one question. You know, there's more of the, the intimacy there. And I always thought that Jordan... And he's also a competitor, and I try to use that against him, or at least to my advantage of, I want him to want to be great when he's on SportsCenter. That was always my approach with Mike. I wanted him to be great, because everything about him was a challenge. He wanted to be challenged. He, everything was a competition. And I always felt that Michael never wanted to go in and mail it in. And uh, hopefully that... I, you know, I'm disappointed that wasn't in the documentary because I do think that people would have gotten to see a little bit more of that personality of Jordan. And maybe that softer side, that guy who has a good sense of humor. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they decided not to use it. But I was hoping they would have just... Uh, and Jordan would have wanted to have that in there as well. More phone calls coming up. We'll talk to Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk. Take a break here. And uh, it's 20 after the hour here on this Traeger Meet Friday. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. All righty. It's a Meet Friday this Saturday, Traeger Day. Nationally, it's National Traeger Day. Traeger Grills, they want to uh, celebrate with wood-fired flavor and hope you'll enjoy the feast and join them offering 20% off rub sauces, liners from May 15th through May 17th. Contact your local dealer. Head to TraegerGrills.com slash DP show to get cooking. He is the pot stir. He's Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live co-host, former NFL quarterback. And uh, Chris joins us now. You know, lo and behold, I start to, uh, you know, go to Pro Football Talk and read down some stories. And then I go, 
Wait, what's this Russell Wilson rumor? And and did the rumor start with you, Chris, that the Seahawks were entertaining the idea of trading him to the Cleveland Browns two years ago? Well, I, I do believe it started with me or, you know, I don't know if it started with me. And again, listen, this, this is something that I know. This, this is not a rumor. This is this is something that I found out about. I'm, I'm going to say not long after the 2018 NFL draft from some people close to the situation and then had it confirmed on the other side by the other team involved in it uh, to where, you know, I have made a mention of this during last season, Dan, and it, it got no traction. I was like, damn, I just let out some breaking news and nobody said anything. <laughs> and then it just came out organically again here this past week. We were talking about untradeable players and what we call PFTOT with Mike Florio. And, you know, we went, Russell Wilson is one of those untradeable players. And I brought it up again. I said, you know, hey, the rumors out there are the things that I understand. I shouldn't say rumor. What I know is that, Yes, there was talks a little bit between Cleveland and Seattle uh, and Cleveland giving that first pick of the draft for Russell Wilson. You know, I don't know who struck up the conversation. I would imagine it was Seattle. I mean, you know, it makes sense. Again, Seattle, they were debating on, did they want to make Russell Wilson the highest paid player in football? And I think also added to that, hey, they have an incentive to build the team the way they did originally with Russell Wilson. They saw, hey, if we can get a quarterback on a rookie contract and build it through our running game and our defense, that was successful them one time around uh, already before. So I just think, you know, it was something that was thrown out there. I don't know how serious it ever got, but I do know that that was a very real conversation. And I understand the philosophy behind the Seahawks, and I agree with you. I mentioned that if you can start over again at that position and build your team like they did when they had the Legion of Boom, that makes a lot of sense. The, the biggest question I have is, who was Seattle going to take with that number one overall pick, Chris? This is, I don't know this for sure, okay? Like I, 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 but I've been led to believe it was Josh Allen. Uh, that's that's what I was led to believe, that Seattle had their eye on that, wow. which makes sense, too, because he has a little of that Russell Wilson-ish quality, right? Where, hey, obviously it's a little raw still with Josh Allen, but got some big-time ability, and I think they probably looked at it like, hey, we can get this guy to hand the ball off, take a few deep shots down the field. He'll scramble and make a few plays every now and then. So that makes sense, but I, I can't confirm that aspect of it, uh, Dan. I don't know that for sure. I think Russell Wilson ends his career with another team. What do you think? I, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I, I think that's a very real possibility. You know, especially, you know, if Pete Carroll and John Schneider are still there. I mean, to the point that you made just a minute ago, I, I think they have a true belief in that. And honestly, Dan, I'm not so sure the NFL is not going to go this way a little bit anyways. You know, what, who are the Rams negotiating against to give Jared Goff $33.5 million or some of these other contracts that are being thrown out there? They're negotiating against themselves. And with the influx of talent we see at the quarterback position every year now and football being so popular for so long and our best athletes want to play quarterback, I, I would think at some point the quarterback market is going to come down to reality a little bit. To me, it's gotten crazy. You know, some of these quarterbacks are making eight and nine times more money than some of the best players that are also on their team. And I wanted to say, you know, Jared Goff is not eight times better than, you know, Robert Woods, who plays wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I never understood that. The next guy up doesn't deserve to, right. be, to be the uh, – how did the owners – the owners finally got around to saying, we're not going to give guaranteed money to, you know, first-round draft picks. 
we'd give $50 million to Sam Bradford, who hadn't proven himself. To me, it was crazy. They finally, you know, got slotted and, you know, made some sense here. At what point do the owners just say, we're not, now I know that sounds collusion, probably is, but we're just not paying the next man up. He's not going to be the highest paid quarterback in the game. That, I agree. I, I have this conversation with my coach friends all the time, Dan, and I, I think they do. They look at owners and, you know, some GMs a little bit to go like, hey, w- at what point are we going to draw a line in the sand? You know, like nobody on the edge of a D or let's nobody should the next guy up. Right. Uh, let's just say with Aaron Donald, like I don't care if he's the next guy up and he's really good. Nobody's as good as Aaron Donald. So nobody should be paid more than that <laughs> on the defensive side of the ball. until so they can claim they're better than Aaron Donald. And that's the same thing on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I know it's going to be Patrick Mahomes here soon at some point. But, like, to me, you know, hey, Dak Prescott, I love Dak Prescott. Carson Wentz, hey, I love him too. But, like, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson should be the market setters. And nobody gets paid more than those two at the position until you prove that you're better than them. And Deshaun Watson and Mahomes are very close to doing that, or Mahomes already has. And they will get paid. But to me, those are the only guys that should jump them. But – that's part of the problem with Dak Prescott's negotiations here is, hey, what we want to get paid, and we don't want to sign a deal where we're going to be embarrassed by what Deshaun Watson gets and Patrick Mahomes gets, and he's not in Patrick Mahomes' category, and you can make the argument he's not in Deshaun Watson's category. Agreed. But right. if you keep saying, hey, I, I, want, I want to be the next guy up, but don't don't embarrass me when all of a sudden these other guys get their contracts here. I'm also curious what happens to the quarterback after Patrick Mahomes. What is he asking for? Well, exactly right. I think that might be I think Mahomes has a chance to kind of blow the market, you know, into another stratosphere to where that might happen like to what you're talking about. That next guy up, I think there might be a a a, a line drawn in the sand that finally says no. Like, let's get real. You're not Patrick Mahomes, whoever you are, and we're not going to pay you that much money. I, I, I'm with you because what are we going to do? Start getting into like 45, 48 million dollars a year for the quarterback position here in the next two years? Because I would expect Mahomes get something within the low 40s yeah. per year type average when he does sign. We're talking to Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live, co-host the story with James Harrison, the Steelers, and Mike Tomlin. Did Mike Tomlin hand him an envelope full of money? Was it a check? Did he write out a check? Did he pay his fine when he uh, hit uh, the Cleveland Browns wide receiver here? Is he? It, was he joking a little bit? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to make of this, Chris, because he's put Mike Tomlin. Well, I think he's trying to compliment Mike Tomlin as being right. a player's coach, and he's got your back ultimately. He's put him in a pretty delicate situation here. What do you do if you're the NFL? I, the NFL is in a tough spot here. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And I, I'm sure that they're going to probably try, try to take some action, I would think. You know, I don't know what that would be. Some sort of fine on the Pittsburgh Steelers or maybe Mike Tomlin. But, yeah, James Harrison, you know, I agree with you. I think he was trying to show something positive about Mike Tomlin, and it backfired, and now it makes the Steelers and Mike Tomlin look not that good. Let me, here's the simple reality of this situation. I don't give a damn. I'm glad. I hope Mike Tomlin did pay his fine. Who the hell cares? This has been going on in the NFL since the 80s. I was on teams where I saw this happen. Not necessarily coaches paying, but players who were making a lot of big money. Oh, this guy got you know a huge fine from the hit. And if the defensive guys thought, oh, it wasn't that bad and we like to play that style, they'd pony up some money and help that guy out to pay that fine. So – it's a very common thing 
for this to happen in the NFL. I mean, I know Joe Montana did it back with the Kansas City Chiefs with Neil Smith. I've heard him tell that story. So this is something that goes on. It's just the first time I think we've heard a head coach being implicated in it. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin's in a tough spot here. Yeah, I think Sean Payton would be really interested in what the NFL does. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No doubt about it. <laughs> um, the Cam Newton phenomenon. I, I I don't know if any everybody has been this interested in Cam Newton for a long time. But it feels like every talk show host, every analyst, somehow has this newfound – Love, you know, seeking out information for right? Cam Newton. Like we, right. we really, you know what it is though, and we know what's behind the curtain. It's like this is a great talking point. Cam Newton's a great talking point. I don't know if people really care if he doesn't go to the Patriots. I don't know if anybody really cares in our business about Cam Newton that way. If he goes to the Patriots, now we have talking points again for another couple of weeks. What do you think well, is no, no, going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. And I don't think the New England Patriots is going to happen. I don't. I just I would be shocked. You know, just my history of knowing New England, being there, knowing Josh McDaniels and playing for him in Denver. They're very big into, hey, this is we're framing our team in the offseason. And this is our quarterback. And we're framing it around, the offense around him and for him to be the leader of our football team and all those things to where – I, you know, I just don't imagine them going down that road with Cam Newton and opening up that can of worms of Stidham versus Cam Newton and all those things. And also, I don't think New England's necessarily built for Cam Newton's skill set either. But I'm fascinated by Cam Newton, too, because as we all know, right, I mean, when he's healthy, he's a special football player. And right now, he's it looks like he's going to be relegated to being a backup quarterback. And my big thing is, Dan, is, but, you know, who the hell's going to even want to sign him as a backup quarterback? Because he's a threat. Yeah. There's only going to be certain quarterbacks that can handle Cam Newton looking over their shoulder every day in practice and everything like that. And I think that's truly like Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, maybe Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. They're going to be like, okay, yeah, I know you throw rifles all over the field. Look at my rifle. Zing, zing, zing. And they won't be threatened by it. But a lot of these quarterbacks, I think, Dan – this will be a huge issue, and it can, dis- it can disrupt your team because when you walk off the field every day, players in the locker room are going to go, damn, did you see Cam Newton today? <laughs> he looked a lot better than our starter. Maybe we should start him, and that will divide a locker room in a hurry. So that's really where it gets interesting. Could you see Pittsburgh bring him in? I, I, you know, Dan, it's a name I've thrown out there many times. Uh, I, I, I think that is a correct marriage because, you know, I think we're getting down here to the end with Big Ben. I do. And the elbow thing would concern me. The way their backup quarterbacks played last year would concern me. And I think they're a team that's, you know, a borderline Super Bowl caliber type football team. So you get Cam Newton in there for an insurance policy to Big Ben, let alone, hey, maybe this is Big Ben's last year or something like that, yeah. maybe the, the reins get handed to Cam after that. Makes sense, but I don't know. Do you think Big Ben's one of those guys that can handle that? That would be a question for me. He couldn't handle Mason Rudolph being drafted by them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, hey, it's great to talk to you as always. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Chris. Hey, thank you. Happy birthday, thank Dan. You, I didn't bud. get to talk about it. I don't know how old you are. And how dare Todd wears a Texas A&M t-shirt when I come on? I mean, what the hell is that? That was completely unintentional. That was a little rude. Well, I just grabbed a comfortable shirt from the uh, from the closet there, but then I realized you're a Longhorn, and that uh, that's not cool. I'm going to give you. You're going into a headlock the next time I see you. (laughs) But you know what? You know what happened, Chris? As Todd gave the uh, horns down. 
son. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I saw okay. it when it came in. Whoa! Oh, now it's going to be a headlock and I'm, I'm just, just, too. I'm just playing around. Thank, thank, thank you, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Have you a guys. good weekend. That's Chris Sims, you Pro too. Football you Talk too. Live. I, so I guess it's not a rumor. It sounds like it was at least a. it had some substance to it. I don't know. That's interesting. I understand, you know, if you're if you're going to be Seattle and try to rebuild that team, I understand the financial aspect of that, where you get that rookie cut. This isn't the first time or last time we're going to hear about something like this, where you're going to trade your quarterback before it's too late, before he makes too much money. Oh, we have our chat row T-shirt. It was submitted by Robert in Boston, and that is it's the number one t-shirt of all of our t-shirts that we had there for the uh, chat row to vote on not the one i would have picked but hey this was chat row and uh robert in boston thank you for coming up with that we will print that up jeremy uh our printmaker he will uh t-shirt guy he will come up with that i am going to put up the uh i'm going to print the penny one the uh the house dog penny big german's dog that t it might only be one t-shirt made but i'm going to have that t-shirt made because I love me some Penny. All right, we'll take a break. Last call for phone calls. Close up shop. We have a winner with uh, Todd's scoreboard challenge. Have that for you. Paulie, this day in sports history. Close up the shop after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR, or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. All right, so Chat Row has their t-shirt they voted on this week. We have Fritzy's scoreboard winner, James in Indiana. The uh, two numbers on Fritzy's scoreboard were five and five for the home and visitors. Do we do this day in sports history to find out what five and five <laughs> is, Todd? Paulie, this day in sports history. I got a few, Dan. Uh, 1941, Joe DiMaggio became the first major league, uh, started his hitting streak of 56 games. What jersey number do he, he wore? Number five. Joe DiMaggio. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Nineteen seventy-three. Now Nolan Ryan of the Angels pitched his first no-hitter. And I have a this day in show history. It's okay. a big one. Okay. Uh, I think it was four years ago today. Was steak night in Almerica. We were out at our Directv studios in Los Angeles. We had Al Michaels in studio. We had uh, his restaurant Toscana bring his entire steak meal for him at. 8 o'clock Pacific time, and we had Steak Night in America for breakfast. Yep, we just showed that clip. The Big German showed that clip on uh, YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. The other five on there, Todd? Uh, born on May 15th, 1953. The clue was Riding the Pine. Hmm, that would have been me, but I wasn't born in 1953. Playing with Pine. Uh, George Brett Pintar. George Brett, born on May 15th, wow. 1953. The other number five, DiMaggio and Brett. Yes, McLovin. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, number five. That could have been it, too. Thank you, McLovin. If he was in the news for something. Uh, Tony in Ohio joins us. Hi, Tony. What do you have for me today? Hey, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Tilly in Indiana. Hey, Till. Hey, Dan. Bloomington Pacific, obviously. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Good. Coming to you live from a beer cave in a liquor store. I know that'd make you proud. Nice. And uh, go with the normal 6.4 and an essential current 2.55 spins. Okay. Hey, just real quick on Mr. Snell, and I know people have probably beaten him up over it, but like you mentioned, the last thing you want to hear about right now are millionaires and billionaires fighting about things. I welcome him to remember that there are some of us out there that – don't have a choice in working or not working right now. We have to work, and we are making 
pennies upon what he's making. So I just hope he takes that into consideration when he says some of the things like that. And a big happy birthday to you, and have a great weekend, my man. Thank you, Till. Steve in Florida joins us. Hi, Steve. What do you have for me today? How you doing, Dan? Good, sir. I wanted to wish you a happy birthday because your birthday is the same as mine, May 15th. Thank you. Other than that, I just want to say, you guys, I enjoy listening to you for a very long time. You tell it like it is as far as that. And if you could just give me an answer on what do you think is possibly going to happen if we're going to see an NFL season? And if so, (laughs) how are my Jets going to do? (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Steve. Um, I'm not quite sure about either one of those questions there. <laughs> I, I'm not going to break down the Jets right now. Maybe they'll be better than they're supposed to be. I, I would like to see Sam Darnold do well. I like him, and uh, hopefully they give him enough weapons there that uh, he can succeed. But you know, feel, it still feels like it's Daniel Jones as the New York quarterback over Sam Darnold right now. And I have no idea about the football season other than what I told you. And uh, it's somebody who I trust who said they think that the season starts October 8th. And that'll be the Buccaneers against the Bears on a Thursday night. That was just the gut feeling. We have no science, no research, no nothing. Uh, That was just the feeling that he has with other people in his his industry. Let's put it that way. Uh, Just got a text from Chris Sims. We were talking about Russell Wilson And was he on the trading block? Did the Seahawks think about trading him to the Cleveland Browns? And I believe that that is, I could see a scenario where that was true. I don't know how serious they were, but, and maybe it was a negotiating ploy. Maybe they just say, hey, you don't want to sign for our number. We'll send you to Cleveland and get the number one pick. I I just wanted to know who Seattle was going to take. And then he says it would probably have been the quarterback, Josh Allen out of Wyoming and not Baker Mayfield Jr. The third. Chris Sims just sent a text saying, This is why Russell Wilson's agent got the no-trade clause. The agent was aware of the Browns' trade talk. Now, that's interesting. That's interesting. Feels like it's becoming uh, less of a rumor and now fact that uh, that was probably what they were thinking about. Yeah, Paul. Since Chris Sims is saying he's reporting this, no longer a rumor, we could discuss it because it was uh, at least at some point a possibility. If you were the Browns and it were offered, and you, you know, going into that draft knowing you were going to go Baker, Josh Allen, you could take Russell Wilson and his big contract, but you know exactly what you're going to get. What do you think you would have done, Dan? If I thought the Browns were ready to win. Now, I didn't like Freddie Kitchens as the coach. And you have to factor that in as well. Russell would have made him uh, look like a better coach, but I, I just didn't think he was ready to be a coach in the NFL, particularly with all of those expectations and the personalities that he had. If If you had somebody in there who thought that they were ready to compete for a Super Bowl. They were a playoff caliber team. Given how starved they are for a winner in Cleveland, I would have brought in Russell Wilson. Because you can have these other quarterbacks, and we don't know if Josh Allen's going to be great. We don't know if Baker Mayfield's going to be great. We've seen greatness, but we don't know. We've seen greatness with Russell Wilson. He's never missed a game. He goes to the playoffs. He won one Super Bowl, went to another one. He's going to the Hall of Fame. And he would be a steadying influence on that team. He's not a quarterback that has to throw the ball 40 times, 30 times. He picks his spots. He keeps you in games. He wins games. And if I'm Cleveland, that's what you need. A reliable quarterback. And this is what Baker has to get back to. You must be reliable. You can't take chances. 
Reggie Miller will join us coming up on Monday's show. And we'll talk about uh, the final episodes of The Last Dance. I don't know if Reg gets roughed up by Michael Jordan. Part of me hopes he does a little bit, just to hear what Reggie sounds like on Monday. I think most people are rooting for Jordan here. (laughs) Poor Reg. (laughs) Can't catch a break. People are rooting for Jordan to rough him up there. Go around the room. I'm going to start with you, Seton O'Connor. I learned that Todd has a unique ability to just grab the most comfortable shirt off the top of the pile and have it somehow relate to a guest <laughs> that we're having on. Because it's happened three times this week. Where it's like, really I just on top of the pile. I didn't know it was going to be a rival. Is Texas A&M a rival to Texas now? <laughs> Is that I, a that real question? Like, I didn't even think of that. Well, really? was to Chris Sims. Yeah, they're in the same state, but but I don't I don't Texas I don't Texas Texas A and M I don't just because they're in the same state doesn't make them some arch rivals. The Aggies and Longhorns have a long history. I would rather that you admitted that you did it on purpose. I did not do than it to purpose. act as if you don't know that yeah. Texas somehow accidentally does it multiple times a week. <laughs> well, oh, what this, are, are, this, are the, the other ones with the with the conference commissioners? I was I looking know. for things in the SEC and the uh, Pac twelve for this. <laughs> that was just a coincidence. Um, I, I don't know if Auburn and Alabama, are they rivals? I don't know. Texas A&M, but Texas, is there really some long history of those two? Well, why don't you put out? it out there, Todd, and let people two, respond to I don't know. Two teams in the same state doesn't make it some kind of huge world sports rivalry. Yes, McLovin, what did you learn today? I learned there was a movie called Best Little Whorehouse in Texas with Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson, or no, Dolly Parton, all about the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry that was a big hit that Todd didn't see. I do not see that. Paulie, what would you learn today? The Texas-Texas A&M football rivalry goes back to 1894. <laughs> <laughs> Classic uh, matchups. With what we learned, brought to you by LegalZoom. They make it easy to set up the right estate plan without leaving your home. Take care of your family today. The right estate plan at LegalZoom.com. Thank you for the birthday wishes. Happy birthday. No. <laughs> no. Just because I wasn't Have first. Have a great weekend. Talk to you. Happy birthday. 